Hi everybody, welcome to Sleep Apnea Pathfinders. I'm your host, David Bishop. And I'm Yvette. I'll be co-hosting this season. This season, our focus will be to bring you a variety of perspectives as we talk to different individuals about our favorite subject, sleep apnea. Well, actually, it's my favorite subject. (laughs) That's right. That's why I'm the co-host. But we're going deeper in a lot of these subject areas, so come along with us on our journey. Hi, everyone. Episode 15 is part two of our discussion with Dr. Gretchen Kubaki on sleep apnea and polycystic ovary syndrome. Sleep apnea has overlap with many different health issues. Research has established that up to 70% of people with polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS, have been found to have sleep apnea. So, we took a deeper dive with Dr. Kubaki. In part two, she discusses the following. Fatigue is the hallmark of PCOS, and the variety of other health conditions associated are high cholesterol, diabetes, infertility, and hyperthyroidism. I also touch on the issue that research is showing women tend to be diagnosed with mild sleep apnea and how some sleep physicians will recommend weight loss and also how the way women report fatigue is slightly different than men. This may make it less likely for a woman to be referred to a sleep physician. Dr. Kubaki touches on how women's health concerns are overlooked because their symptoms may not fit the medical perspective of what a typical PCOS patient or sleep apnea patient should look like. We also have a discussion about health inequities among women and also minorities as a result of norming health conditions which are more prevalent for one minority group or the other. And Dr. Kubaki shares a wealth of resources for PCOS, which include her website, PCOSWellness.com, her YouTube channel, Facebook page, PCOS Psychology, and a number of other individuals and organizations working to raise awareness and provide support. Here's part two of our interview with Dr. Gretchen Kubaki. In your YouTube video, you talked about how Women with PCOS also have insomnia, and you yeah. talked about sleep apnea. So, so as, as, as these things relate, and they really are a much larger subject because there's so much overlap between PCOS and what's called metabolic syndrome. Also, separately, if you want to look at diabetes, for example, there's a, a lot of problems with sleep issues there. Um, and thyroid disorders are another part of the picture. So it's kind of like when one thing goes awry, the rest just falls down. You will often find PCOS, high cholesterol, infertility, hypothyroidism all together. And then you'll find this very high incidence of sleep disorders and eating disorders. And so for PCOS patients, I always screen for sleep disorders, which can fall into several categories. They can be problems falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking too early. Of course, the issue of not getting enough sleep or getting too much sleep can be a mental health symptom indicator. And then sleep apnea is going to affect all of those things. So if you have sleep apnea, you are going to be more fatigued. 
and fatigue is a hallmark of PCOS. There's also a lot of complicated issues around insulin resistance, hypoglycemia, prediabetes, diabetes, diabetes, and how all of that affects one's ability to fall asleep easily or not. And then the thyroid issues, which uh, 40% of women over 40 are hypothyroid, which is that high. Yeah. Yeah. So when you start to think about the number of people who have undiagnosed sleep apnea, who have thyroid disorders, who have PCOS, the number of people who have prediabetes, hypoglycemia, diabetes, the numbers of people affected by sleep issues are enormous. Combine this with our focus on technology and the fact that we're all glued to our phones, even when we're in bed sometimes. Yes. Um, and other things like not getting enough exercise, not getting the right types of exercise, not timing your exercise well, having too much caffeine because you're exhausted, having extra sugar because you're exhausted and you need a little perk up. It's all a big snowball effect. So one of the things we talked about leading up to recording this episode is that I shared information that women tend to be diagnosed with mild sleep apnea and that there are some sleep physicians who, um, who will say that they don't recommend a CPAP and right. that maybe they might recommend weight loss. Um, and one of the issues with that is that even mild sleep apnea can be very disruptive. Um, the research is showing that women are underdiagnosed for sleep apnea and that can have really uh, damaging effects because the, the first thing that, that confounds the diagnostic picture is that women are going to report symptoms of sleep apnea differently to their mm-hmm. primary care physician. They would, might talk about snoring or maybe they don't snore. They talk about headaches. They might talk about memory loss or learning. Right. They might wake up with a dry mouth, insomnia, moody or irritable. This information is from the uh, Society for Women's Research. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate because I think a lot of women uh, don't get referred to sleep physicians. And j- physicians really only get three, about three hours of orientation to sleep in medical school. And that, that is, is astonishing and horrifying. That is part of the problem. We aren't we aren't going to mm. dump on primary care physicians. They no, have a lot to take care of. That's but, that's and that's similar to the amount of nutrition information they get. And yet, sleep really? and nutrition are cornerstones of good health. It's not surprising, and and actually, this is something that you educated me about that this uh, with this underdiagnosis with uh, women. And and by the way. Uh, well, we have always thought of PCOS patients as being women. There are many, many people who do not identify as female. So mm-hmm. um, people with PCOS is, is a term that we're using a lot more now. So I just wanted to clarify that because we are looking at studies that are specifically about women. Okay. Um, but the information I think we can extrapolate and, and apply to people with PCOS. Um, in that sense, it's not surprising because doctors will tend to focus very tightly. They have a limited amount of time as a resource and they 
are oriented around fixing things. Women have been taught not to complain and the, the types of symptoms you're reporting. Well, they also cross over with things like hypothyroid. So the things like headaches or the fatigue, so many things in modern life lead to fatigue, uh, whether it's nutrition, inadequate sleep, inadequate numbers of sleep, too many work hours, whatever it is. Um, it's also something where the assumption, I think, uh, from a medical perspective is that there's a teaching that it's mostly men who have sleep apnea. So it's something they're looking for when a man comes in tired and lethargic and, you know, starting to gain weight and that sort of thing. It's not necessarily with, with women in particular, the first, and particularly with any woman who is carrying extra weight, whether that puts her into a classically obese or, or morbidly obese category, you know, again, with the, um, uh, injurious language, right? We, we are trying to change that, but I also do have to speak in a language that's common to medicine. And the first thing they'll say about virtually any symptoms, kind of the running joke that's not very funny is, well, you know, five to 10% of body mass weight loss should do the trick. Just, you know, go home. Do you need a referral to a dietitian? You know, oh yeah, I think fentramine would be great. Those sorts of approaches. And so there's a lot of shame associated with that. There's a lot of um, women feeling like, oh, my symptoms are minor. I mean, it's annoying. Yeah, I'm so tired, but aren't we all tired? Ha, ha, ha. And not realizing, you know, this is where the public also does need more education about things like sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. Anyone can have it. Mm -hmm. Children can have it. Sure. Men and women can have it. Absolutely. Certainly elders can have it. Um and we need to know what sort of things are important. It would be great if we had a little, you know, 50 question symptom mm -hmm. checklist like comes on intake paperwork a lot of times, but we don't. And trying to think of what is bothering you, you go in for an annual checkup and go through the list. And it's like, well, no, I'm not having heart palpitations. And no, I'm not having any random bleeding. And, you know, you think you're fine because your symptoms are so subtle, but mm -hmm. they're not. Mm -hmm. And you're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I think this happens a lot more with PCOS patients also, I think, because PCOS patients have historically been quite shamed and blamed for their situation. And again, with a focus on weight. And that's, that's something that needs to change. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the rate of uh, health issues that women are not diagnosed with is, is something that you know, talks to the uh, inequities uh, in the healthcare system. So, you know, it's really good. We're talking about, you know, conditions, you know, that women should be really advocating for themselves and, you know, persisting. Yeah. And I think it's important that you mention this issue of health equity in women, because again, historically, and, and there is growing awareness around this, but Women are not the ones that medications are studied on. For example, we've, we've been thrown out of all the studies because we menstruate. And that is a wild card factor. Of course, we could get into all sorts of discussions about this as it relates to PCOS. <laughs> but the bigger issue here, I think, is that there is this inequity. And specifically, we look at a, a major health inequity when it comes to people of color, uh, Black and Latinx or Latina uh, patients in particular, who are often in a larger size body 
and who automatically are facing discrimination simply because it's so easy to say, well, you're fat, therefore you have diabetes. Well, guess what? Slim people get diabetes. Slim people get high blood pressure. Slim slim people die of kidney disease. But there's this classification and this automatic assumption that Black people are less healthy or you know, Latinas eat all the carbs all the time or whatever those sorts of things are that do not get much education or attention within medical school education systems or in, or in training. It's something hopefully people do learn over time. And I definitely see some, some aware physicians, but there are multiple layers of bias. And if you are shamed or blamed for your disease or your weight, guess what happens? You don't go to the doctor anymore, especially if it's already a hassle to get to the doctor, right? And that has been well-documented that PCOS patients see doctors less often than average, even though we have far more medical issues because virtually every one of us has walked into a medical office and been told our problems are in our head, right? Which is where I come in talking about the psychological side of things being real. Or if we just lose weight, it'll all go away. Or if we just take these birth control pills, everything will be managed and it will be fine. And if it's not fine, we'll come back and we'll do surgery on you and, you know, take out your cyst or take out your uterus or make you pregnant or you're shaking your head. And that's exactly it. It's terrible. And I want to, I want to emphasize there are some really, really good, knowledgeable, aware, inclusive doctors and medical providers out there. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to find one. So where can our listeners uh, find resources about PCOS? Of course, your, your site, PCOSwellness.com. Uh, yes. Where else can they find resources? Uh, they can find more information, as you mentioned. I have a YouTube channel, which has a number of segments on PCOS. I've got a Facebook page called PCOS Psychology. Uh, where you can post questions and I'm actually the one who comes in and answers them. You can also find amazing nutrition information from my uh, colleague, Martha McKittrick, who is the PCOS dietitian on Instagram. She makes the best uh, memes and infographics and she's really sensible with her information. The PCOS Nutrition Center has great information. Uh, PCOS Challenge is the national uh, nonprofit organization that has decided its mission is raising awareness, and they've done some fantastic things over the course of the last decade or so. We've gotten a lot more attention to PCOS. Um, There are also, there's PCOSA, P-C-O-S-A-A, which is the PCOS Association of America, which has good information other subsections, I think you can find good stuff um, with Resolve, which is the National Infertility Association. Um, and that is a, obviously a close link. So there's quite a few resources out there at this point. You know, there was a real desert in terms of information, even merely a decade ago, but it's, it's a lot better now. That's wonderful to hear that it's a lot better. And this, you know, this uh, awareness month is is helping to raise that profile of, of polycystic ovary, ovary syndrome. And uh, I really appreciate your work 
And if people want to get in contact with you, where can they reach you? They can um, email me through my page, PCOSwellness.com, or you can direct message me through the PCOS Psychology page on Facebook. Well, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time and all the really valuable information that you shared. You really touched on fantastic issues throughout this this, uh, session, and I really appreciate your time. And hopefully we can continue this discussion about some additional issues regarding PCOS and and sleep apnea. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much. As a reminder, Sleep Apnea Pathfinders is a weekly podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again next week. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You can reach us on Instagram at Sleep Apnea Pathfinders or through email sleepapneapathfinders at gmail.com.